Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, after a seemingly excruciating wait, not one but two large-scale COVID-19 vaccination clinics are scheduled for this week in the community, including at the University of Findlay Kaler Center, where some 2,000 doses will be available. We'll have details. Also this morning, we can see a light at the end of the tunnel now, but we're not there yet. Mortgage forbearance remains an option for both those who have struggled since the beginning of the pandemic, as well as those who find themselves facing hardship now that their savings is exhausted. And head, heart, hands, and health, it's 4-H week in Ohio and Hancock County. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, March 8, 2021. WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. The WTOL First Alert forecast is calling for sunny skies today and a high of 64, partly cloudy tonight, a low 40. A COVID-19 mass vaccination clinic will be held at the University of Findlay Kaler's Center. More than 2,000 doses of the vaccine will be available to the community at the clinic, which will take place on Saturday. The clinic will be open to people 60 and older, along with individuals with medical conditions and occupations outlined by the state of Ohio's Phase 1B and 1C vaccination program. Registration for the clinic opens today. Also, Hancock Public Health will be holding a 500-plus dose clinic in partnership with 50 North on Thursday. Get more details on both clinics at our website. A motorist on Interstate 75 survived a scary incident when a large piece of pipe crashed through their windshield. It happened Thursday afternoon near the Worcester Street exit in Bowling Green. The driver was not injured. Anyone with information regarding the incident is urged to contact the Highway Patrol's Bowling Green post. And the Highway Patrol reminds everyone that vehicle load securement is important for the safety of everyone on the road. See pictures on our website. Despite it being held virtually this year, the Cancer Patient Services Chili Cook-Off still raised around $50,000 for local cancer patients. Chief Executive Officer Carol Metzger. We had five teams that participated with us, and we are super grateful for our sponsors, and we're hoping next year to be back in person with the event. First place for Best Chili Presentation went to Hancock Federal Credit Union. Get more on the fundraiser and see all the winners on our website. A Finley company is being honored by the U.S. Small Business Administration. Endurica LLC received the SBA's prestigious Tibbetts Award for its accomplishments in creating cutting-edge technologies. The SBA says Endurica's advancements in rubber product design have led to cost savings and more durable parts for the U.S. Army ultimately ensuring the safety of military personnel and civilians. More news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm John Marshall with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Twelve days until spring. This week is actually going to feel kind of spring-like at times. As a matter of fact, not only are you going to warm up, but it looks like later on in the week we may get some rain and, they said, perhaps even a few rumbles of thunder. So that's that's actually a good sign. That is a good sign. Spring is on the way. Today is International Women's Day. It is also... Now, I'm not sure if this is uh, one of those things that you want to share your day with. It's International Women's Day. It's also National Be Nasty Day. <laughs> I don't know what they're trying to say here, but it is a day everyone has an excuse to be nasty. 
You can be rude, mean, spiteful, or difficult to be around in both word and action today. And you've got a built-in excuse. It is National Be Nasty Day. Man. Uh, National Peanut Cluster Day, and it is National Proofreading Day. And I had to proofread that to see, is Be Nasty Day what I think it is? Yes, it is. It absolutely is. Anyway, International Women's Day, and this is kind of interesting uh, to go along with that. A high school in Texas has come under criticism for a chivalry assignment in which girls were instructed to do things like obey any reasonable request of a male and dress in a feminine way to please the boys. This was the school assignment. Other requirements uh, at the Shallowater High School Chivalry Day in Lubbock County, Texas. Other requirements included the girls having to, quote, cook something for the gentlemen of the class and not show intellectual superiority if it would offend the men around them. Male students, by contrast, had to do things like dress in suits and ties, address the girls as milady, or help them to their seats, recite poetry for the class. This is what the guys had to do. The goal of the assignment, according to the school, was to demonstrate how the code of chivalry and standards set in the medieval concept of courtly love carries over, or doesn't, into the modern day. Okay, I, I get the idea behind it, but in this day and age, some Twitter critics uh, argued the assignment was meant to show unfair gender standards in the Middle Ages, but most said what the female students were being asked to do was unfair, pointing to the disparity between what the girls and boys were expected to do. Again, the supporters would say, yes, and that's the point. You spend a day doing this, you can start to understand how wrong it is. But the Shallow Water Independent School District canceled Chivalry Day in response to the criticism. So, make of that what you will. On a related... See, here's the thing. I, I saw that, and at first, that Chivalry Day, uh, I could see where that would be cringeworthy. On the other hand, uh, it was being done for a larger purpose, to prove a point. This, on the other hand, is a story that... They're being serious about this, and this, I think, is worthy of more outrage. Big stores in California under a new bill that could become law in uh, in California, big stores would have to get rid of their boys' and girls' departments for toys and clothes and such. No more boys' and girls' departments. And this would be the law. The proposal would require stores with 500 or more employees to maintain undivided areas of its sales floor for child care items, kids' clothes, and toys, regardless of whether an item has traditionally been marketed for either girls or boys. The bill, which refers to unjustified differences in similar products that are traditionally marketed for either gender, would also ban signs indicating that specific items are for go uh, boys or girls. Furthermore, uh, online retailers 
uh, any California-based business selling child care items, children's clothing or toys, uh, or similar online would have to dedicate a section of the website to the sale of those items and articles that is titled, at the discretion of the retailer, kids, unisex, or gender neutral. So you wouldn't be able to designate boys or girls, even online. You'd have to have a kids section, not boys or girls, but just a kids, unisex, or gender neutral section of your website. No word on uh, how, what kind of a, uh, what kind of chance this has of actually becoming law, but it is California, so I don't know. I don't know. Again, I get it. I understand. But really, boys and girls sections would go away. Okay. Some of the other uh, buzzworthy stories, interesting stories to get your Monday morning started. It's Monday already. Man, where did the weekend go? Uh, we are now, what, over the weekend, I think it marked uh, the one-year anniversary of the Brianna, Brianna Taylor uh, shooting. Um, tragic, tragic incident. And, uh, of course, the one-year anniversary of the uh, death of George Floyd, the hands of Minneapolis police. And you remember back a year ago when all of this in the immediate aftermath of all of this and the social justice protests and so on, there were calls for defunding the police. And those calls got kind of got, got some traction in polls and so on. Well, today, one year later, according to a new Ipsos USA Today poll, only 18% of Americans now support calls to defund the police. So a year later, the number of people supporting the idea of defunding the police dropped all the way to 18%. Uh, and it has fallen steadily since last August after the uh, summer protests, uh, racial injustice and police brutality. While uh, Caucasians and Republicans were significantly more likely to oppose the idea of defunding the police, only 28% of African Americans and 34% of Democrats were in, uh, were in favor of it. So it has dropped among those groups. There have been two different views on what defund the police means when asked if police departments should be eliminated. This is one view of it. 67% overall said no. Um, but when they asked if they favored the other view in which some police funding would instead be diverted to social services so others were more targeted training uh could respond to things like calls for mental health crises or uh, interacting with uh, the homeless, something like that. Numbers were a little bit more favorable in that regard. A majority of 57% was still against it, but 43% supported it. So I thought that was kind of... So here we are a year later. We wondered whether that would be an idea that would catch on. The answer is apparently a year later, new. No. And did you happen to see this over the weekend? Crazy story uh, over the weekend. The Vegas Golden Knights hockey team uh, was getting ready to... They were in San Jose for a two-game set against the San Jose Sharks. And after the first... Was it after the first game? In between games, they leave. They're getting ready to leave the hotel to go to their game. <laughs> and the hotel suddenly fired, filed for bankruptcy and kicked them out. 
because the hotel closed in the middle of their stay. What's that old saying? You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> That's kind of what the Golden Knights were uh, faced with. The hotel cited financial difficulties brought on by the coronavirus pandemic. The 806-room hotel is the NHL's approved destination for all opponents of the San Jose Sharks this year. Well, apparently not anymore. The hotel reportedly in debt between $100 and $500 million. They hope to reopen sometime in the future when they get their financing situation straightened out. But in the meantime, <laughs> the, the Golden Knights had to scramble to find another hotel. <laughs> I can see him pulling them up to the Red Roof Inn saying, hey, you got any rooms? Any? Anyway, uh, crazy, crazy sports story. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy news uh, to start off your Monday morning. I've been waiting patiently for one of these for quite some time now after having seen big vaccination clinics being held in mass in other places around the country. At last, we have actually a couple of them coming up this week. The big one at the University of Finley's Kaler Center, uh, where some 2,000 doses of the coronavirus vaccine will be available. Joining us this morning, Blanchard Valley Health System, Dr. Uh, Bill Coase and uh, Roxanne Williams, uh, BVHS, uh, along with the uh, with Hancock Public Health and the University of Findlay, uh, helping to coordinate uh, this event at the uh, Kaler Center. And uh, first of all, um, thank you both for uh, taking the time to uh, talk with us this morning. Give us all of the uh, details on this. Dr. Coase, I'll start with uh, with you. Uh, tell us about this uh, vaccine. Do we know what vaccine it will be that will be distributed? Uh, I believe most of it is going to be Moderna. Um, I'll, just, I'll just let Roxanne talk about that. She's the one that's been doing the okay. logistics and what we're going to do, and then maybe I can make some comments at the end. Excellent. Roxanne, you want to... Just tell them what we're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, this clinic this week is at the Kaler Center, as you spoke about. It is from 8 to 4 o'clock. Uh, we will be giving um, mostly Moderna, as Dr. Coase said, and um, any other vaccines that are delivered uh, through the state to Blanche Valley Hospital. Uh, we will be servicing everybody that is in the Category 1B and 1C. Uh, 1B and 1C includes everybody under the or over the age of 60. And then there are some uh, medical diagnoses that uh, the governor has provided, uh, such as uh, individuals with diabetes type 1 and those that um, have um, ALS and um, um, some other uh, con- congenital diseases. Uh, disorders that um, are able to get uh, diet uh, vaccine this week. I wanted to uh, actually focus in on that for just a moment. We talk about uh, certain high-risk medical conditions uh, that will put individuals uh, that would otherwise not be age-eligible into the eligibility category. How is that uh, determined and, and what why are some conditions considered high risk? Because I've talk, talked with uh, a number of folks over the past several days who say, I have or I know someone in my family who has this, that, or the other condition, which I think would make them high risk, but they're not on that list. What? Uh, why are some conditions, medical conditions, on that high risk list and others aren't? 
Well, that, that's a really good question, Chris. And um, let me say something, Roxanne, and then you can add in. This is set up at a state level. Um, decisions made. Some states decided that we want to prevent infections. Others, did we, I don't want to say it was one or the other, Do we want to prevent deaths. Uh, it was basically done in Ohio looking at um, the age of a person, and then these other conditions were added. There's lots of individuals with chronic diseases. Uh, you, you won't see congestive heart failure. You don't see cancer. You don't see things like this. And mm-hmm. those decisions were made at the Department of Health at the state level after considering all of the different uh, ways that they can make a decision. And my understanding... Just as you've said, I've had a lot of people ask me. Uh, I've looked at what other states have done. Others have come up with other categories. This is just the way we did it. And it, it was tough. I mean, there's not um, there's a lot of people with chronic kinds of conditions. Roxanne, you want to add anything to that? You're exactly right, Dr. Coase. It is looking at the data and the higher risk of mortality and hospitalizations is um, what the governor's office utilized to come up with these categories. So for those who are eligible, uh, obviously this is not a a walk-in clinic in the sense that uh, anybody who is eligible can just walk in. You do still uh, need to have the appointment. You're going to get a a time to come in and get the uh, vaccination. How will all of this work? Uh, There is a number that they'll be able to uh, call starting today. That number is 419 424-7105. That is going to take them to the health department uh, that is servicing and scheduling all of the appointments for the clinic. Uh, Once they receive their clinic, they'll be able to come to, uh, I'm sorry, once they receive their scheduled time, they'll be able to come to the Kaler Center at that time, and we will have people there to assist them to fill out all of the paperwork maintaining social distance, and then going ahead and getting their vaccine. And then everybody does have to wait a minimum of 15 minutes after their vaccine in order to ensure that everybody is safe, and then they'll be able to um, go about their business for the day. Now, we mentioned the vaccine uh, that will be available. Most of the vaccine that will be available will be the Moderna vaccine. And, and obviously, the guidance is uh, that, that you don't want to necessarily be picky about which one you get. Uh, whatever is available, go and get it. They're all effective vaccine. But as we know, uh, the Moderna is one of those that is a two-dose vaccine. Do we know for sure that once that first vaccination is given to these 2,000 some odd uh, individuals that they will be able to that the the second dose will be available uh, in sufficient quantity that that they will be able to get that second uh, necessary vaccination uh, on time and on schedule? Thank you for that question. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Um, At Blanche Valley Health System in coordination with Hancock Public Health, we have not had any um, problems with getting the second dose vaccine and in fact when people come in for that clinic day they will be given a card that has their next scheduled appointment time which will um, as well be at the Kaler Center 
And um, we um, have, again, have not had any problem ensuring that those doses will be available uh, for those individuals when they return. And just to reiterate uh, that point that we don't want people to say, well, I'm waiting for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine or I'm waiting for a a specific vaccine. Uh, The guidance is that when you uh, are eligible and you can get an appointment to go in and get that vaccine, whichever one it happens to be. That's correct. So let me ask you this uh, real quickly. Uh, while we're on the subject of uh, vaccines, and obviously the you know this comes a, a year after, almost exactly a year after our first shutdowns. This week, this week, in fact, uh, marks the beginning of the pandemic when all of the uh, shutdowns and restrictions started to be announced uh, in Ohio. Uh, and uh, and elsewhere. And there has been a push across some states, we were talking about it a little bit earlier, to lift those uh, mask mandates and coronavirus restrictions. Dr. Coase, as you look at uh, the uh, you know what's transpired in Texas and in other places where uh, they're easing up the, those restrictions, is it still too soon? Is Ohio taking the better track in uh, setting this uh, benchmark that the governor set, uh, I think, last week for 50 cases per 100,000 for a sustained period of time before the mask mandates and such come off? Well, I think everyone realizes we'd like to get back to normalcy, whatever that's going to mean, and we don't want to uh, keep people from socializing, getting kids back to school in addition to the economy and everything going on. From my standpoint, the data would say, and and looking at this from a standpoint of now we have variants out there that uh, I don't want to say we can be too cautious. I think it's fine uh, to be able to get out and do things, but this is, it's a risk benefit. Um, And in addition to that, even though these things really are effective, uh, we still need to continue to social distance as much as we can. We need to wash our hands. We need to wear masks. Uh, this is not over. Hopefully, as we get into the latter part of the spring, um, from what the administration has said, everyone's going to have the availability to get a vaccine by the end of May. Uh, I think where we're going to be in the next month or so, much as anything, is convincing that 40% of the population that are still concerned about safety, effectiveness, the hassle factor of getting the shot, two shots, like you said, mm-hmm. may become the biggest problem. But yeah. answering your question, no, I, I think what the governor is doing here is the right thing to do, especially for Ohio in a colder climate. You bring up a good point that uh, you know there are geographic differences in the uh, climate uh, uh, differences and uh, the fact that you know, much has been made about, hey, once I get the shot, why do I can have to continue to wear a mask? Why do I have to? It's kind of the same thing that we tell people every fru- every flu season, even though you get the vaccine, you still uh, want to do all of those other things like washing your hands and so on. This is what we tell people every uh, flu season is to uh, take the uh, precautions, even though you have the 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 vaccine exactly i mean it very well may protect you i mean it looks like 95 percent efficacy that's as good as any vaccine we've ever had we have not seen safety problems but we are using that to protect other people and you might be able to still carry it on your hands even though you're not going to get it that you could pass it on yeah and one of the big concerns when you talk about texas 
And and it's not just Texas. It's any place, someone coming in from another country or whatever. We may end up being very well vaccinated in Hancock County, but we're not an island that people coming in can bring things. And, again, we're trying to still protect some of the elderly, the chronic conditions you talked about. So, right. no, it's it's not over, but we are better. Yeah. Uh, so uh, certainly points, uh, all points well taken. Roxanne, you're talking about the uh, fact that for this vaccination clinic uh, this week at the Kaler Center, folks will need to sign up, uh, need to register for a, 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 a scheduled time. Uh, you mentioned the phone number. Let's mention that again. And, and that uh, is open as of today, correct? That is correct. And that phone number is 419-424-7105. And real quickly, we mentioned that there are actually two clinics. The big one at the at the Kaler Center will be uh, some 2,000 doses. There will also be one, I understand, at 50 North for about 500 uh, individuals. Uh, is that the same number uh, for uh, for that clinic? And, and you know, will you be assigned one or the other uh you know, what about the uh, that's, that second location? That clinic is actually being scheduled through Hancock Public Health as well. And um, I don't have all of the details of that, but I would say go ahead and call that number that okay. I gave uh, individuals. And then um, at that point, they can be directed in the right direction. Okay. Uh, so we just wanted to clarify that because uh, there will actually be that one. It was in another 500 doses is nothing to sneeze at, no pun intended there either. So uh, certainly good news. Uh, it has been excruciatingly, uh, it has been an excruciating wait in getting to the point where we're going to have uh, these max vaccine mass vaccination clinics we've seen them in other locations good to have one here and uh, hopefully we'll have more to come uh, again roxanne williams dr bill coes from lancer valley health system with us this morning thank you both for taking the time we appreciate it thank you thank you Well, the good news is that after a very long year, we are starting to see the signs of the light at the end of the COVID-19 tunnel. The bad news is that we're not quite there yet. And in the meantime, millions of people still find themselves struggling to make ends meet. One of the top challenges being the ability to pay monthly housing bills. Danielle McCoy is vice president and fair lending officer for Fannie Mae. And Danielle, is it too late to apply for housing payment assistance at this point? If you're a homeowner and you're still struggling to pay your mortgage, it is not too late to get help. And forbearance may be an option. And forbearance is a temporary reduction in your uh, monthly mortgage payment or pausing your monthly mortgage payment. And it's a useful tool to help you as you try to get back on your feet. So what is the first step? Uh, who should, if, if I'm struggling to uh, make my monthly mortgage obligation, who do I contact? Who would I reach out to? The first step, you should reach out to your mortgage servicer. And your mortgage servicer is the company listed on your monthly bill. Um, reach out to your mortgage servicer. Let them know you have a COVID-19 related financial hardship and that you're having trouble making your payments. And they can help get you into a forbearance plan and make you aware of all of your options. Now, of course, uh, this uh, especially applies to federally backed uh, mortgages like Fannie Mae. How then does Fannie Mae step up to help? So Fannie Mae, our top priority during COVID-19 pandemic really is to make sure people are able to stay in their homes whenever possible. 
And one of the key ways we're doing that is through awareness, making sure people are educated on all the options that they have. We've created a website, knowyouroptions.com, and it provides useful information in a very easy-to-digest format. Um, We even have a virtual assistant where you can just type information, type information about your situation, and the relevant um, data that will help you will come up. So it's, it's very easy to use. It provides a lot of information. And I hope that your listeners go to knowyouroptions.com. So uh, in, a forbearage, uh, in a forbearance plan, how does it work? What is the uh, timeline and, and what is the process? Sure. So once you're already in a forbearance plan, you fall into two categories. The first category is you're in a forbearance plan, you paused your payments, but your financial situation has approved, has improved and you're ready to start paying again. If you're in that category, you just need to contact your mortgage servicer and there are a lot of flexible options for you to begin um, repaying back your missed payments. Such as... And people that fall in the second... No, I'm okay. sorry. I'm sure, sorry. I was just going to inject such as, such as well. What are some of those uh, repayment options? Sure. What, give us some examples. Sure, I'm happy to. I'll give you three. One is a repayment plan. So, in a repayment plan, they add extra to each monthly payment for a period of 12 months to repay. Some people are not going to be able to do that, and so a second option may be a payment deferral. And under a payment deferral, your missed payments are added to the end of your loan when your loan is paid off and your monthly payment remains the same. The third category is for people that, for whatever reason, they can't maintain their um, prior mortgage payment. Maybe they're back on their feet and they have a job, but they don't make as much as they used to. And mm-hmm. they, need, they need additional help. And that is a loan modification. And in a loan modification, your interest rate or the term of your mortgage is changed and it lowers your monthly mortgage payment. Okay. So there's a number of options. The first step is to contact your mortgage servicer to figure out what option best suits you. Okay. So that's uh, what you have in front of you if you are uh, coming up on the end of the plan. You are able to resume paying your mortgage again or at least part of your mortgage again. What about for those who are coming up on the end of a forbearance plan? now uh, who may not necessarily be able to resume payments at this point. What about those folks? Correct. So for those um, people that their financial hardship hasn't ended, they could still be out of work, it's important for them to know that they may be eligible to extend their forbearance plan for a total of 18 months. And in order to do that, again, you have to contact your mortgage servicer let them know that your situation hasn't changed and they could potentially extend your forbearance for even longer. Okay. Uh, what about uh, any common mistake? I mean, this is something that most homeowners never expect to find themselves in this type of a situation. What are some common mistakes or pitfalls uh, that homeowners should avoid when they're uh, wading into all of this? You're 100% correct. This is not something that most people think of when they're when they become homeowners. And a lot of the terminology is complex and navigating this is complex. So I think one of the things that homeowners should do to make sure that they don't fall into any pitfalls or mistakes is educate themselves. Make sure they're educating themselves on all the available options out there. 
Um, knowyouroptions.com is a great place to start. And another pitfall I'd just like to mention is the fact that there's a lot of free information out there. And if someone is offering to help you with your financial hardship but charging you a fee, it may not be the best place to go. Please go to knowyouroptions.com. Um, that's a good free resource. And we also have links and tools for other resources that can help you before potentially you're you're involved in a scam or someone that says they're trying to help you and they're charging money for things that you could just get and yeah. that you're eligible for. That is such a good point uh, because obviously uh, there are scams out there. And as we well know, not all the information on the internet is necessarily trustworthy. So uh, again, we'll link up to the website you referenced with all of the uh, accurate information straight from the horse's mouth, as it were. Uh, again, Danielle McCoy, Vice President Fair Lending Officer for Fannie Mae, talking about what homeowners should do if they either still need some help or they're coming up on the end of a forbearance uh, program and wondering what happens next. Uh, Danielle, thanks very much for the update. We appreciate it. Thank you. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. This update, the odd and unusual side of the news, brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. This is a head slapper. This is just a don't, man, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, Natasha Nansel, age 24, left the Fox Bar and probably shouldn't have been driving. She crashed into a ditch. This happened early Thursday morning. So she leaves the bar. See, she crashes into a ditch. And so she called her friend Melville to come help her out. Uh, when Melville arrived on the scene, he crashed his truck into her vehicle. In the same ditch. Police say both individuals smelled of alcohol and both admitted to drinking various amounts of alcohol before driving. Both were charged with DUI. Each was found to have more than double the legal limit of alcohol uh, in their system when tested. So, don't, when you, when you get into an accident, you shouldn't have been driving in the first place. You call someone to help you out. It's probably best to call a sober friend. <laughs> Not someone who is as drunk as you are. No! Head slapper. Uh, speaking of Nashville, Metro Nashville police say that they responded to a call uh, back on February 25th of a man asleep behind the wheel of a silver sedan sitting in the middle of traffic. 51-year-old Thomas Courtney was slumped over the wheel and just beginning to awaken... Uh, when police arrived, uh, they eventually were able to get him out of the vehicle, noted that his eyes were bloodshot and that he reeked of alcohol. Uh, when he, when he was asked, what in the world are you doing? He explained to officers that he was uh, sleeping in his bed when, <laughs> when he was asked where he was, I'm just sleeping in my bed. Uh, no, unless you're living in your car. He also charged with uh, DUI. Uh, let's see here. Man, I tell you, some people. Sometimes reporters actually become the story. Don Ford, a journalist for KPIX in San Francisco, was recently preparing to uh, record a segment about a series of car robberies when he was mugged at gunpoint. <laughs> 
just set to report a story on a string of robberies when he was robbed. Uh, the uh, the whole thing being set up at the Twin Peaks neighborhood when uh, thieves jumped out of a car, one pointing a gun and demanding his camera. It's unclear if Mr. Ford was alone or if he had a crew with him at the time. He was caught on camera with his hands up and allowed them to take his equipment. He was not harmed. A witness who watched the robbery unfold tells the news station that he watched from afar, hoping no one would be shot. Mr. Ford uh, later Rehashed the ordeal on Twitter. Police have since revealed the camera was recovered, but the thieves have not been caught. I don't know. You would think that they would be on camera there. He was filming at the time. That's rough. That is a rough neighborhood. <laughs> the reporters reporting on the story of the robberies when he gets robbed. Uh... Speaking of uh, rough folks, this out of Washington, D.C., where one young man has been arrested after being involved in not one, not two, not three, but four armed carjackings last week. Four armed carjackings. Not only did he commit the crime four times, he did it all within an hour. A statement from the uh, Metro D.C. Police Department details the four incidents in which the uh, individual reportedly approached Uh, Those who were sitting in their cars flashed a firearm and demanded they exit the vehicle. The first two victims did not comply with the suspect's orders, and he fled. A third report states that the suspects fled on foot after brandishing, after they got brandished the weapon. A fourth victim complied, and the suspect took off in the vehicle. Uh, It was later recovered. The uh, young man uh, in question here age 12 age 12 the perpetrator he didn't do it on his own though surveillance footage shows an additional suspect who has not been a yet uh, arrested and is still on the run uh reward of up to ten thousand dollars has been offered for information that leads to the arrest and conviction of the uh, person responsible for the crimes additionally responsible. 12 year old man And finally, in the broken news this morning, this is unusual. Apparently, Satan is trying to find dates on the Boston subway system. You heard that right. City transit police say a 20-year-old woman reported that she had an encounter with a man dressed all in black at the Transit Association's Forest Hills station on March 1st. The woman told police the man typed, I am Satan, on his phone and then showed it to her. When officers spoke to the 22-year-old man in question, he said he was only flirting with a woman and was attempting to get her number. <laughs> they escorted him out of the uh, transit station. So why don't you just go home? There, there you go. <laughs> I can't believe that didn't work as a pickup line. There you go. That is today's broken news report. Brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Everyone deserves to be safe and free from domestic and sexual violence in our homes, relationships, and communities. If someone you love is going through abuse, reach out and let them know they are not alone. Open Arms is here to help. Call our 24-hour crisis hotline at 419 422 4766 
Open Arms provides free, safe, and confidential services. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. Have you ever found yourself in the middle of a conversation that you just couldn't get out of? You are not alone. A new study with the National Academy of Sciences looked at uh, more than 100 one-on-one conversations between business associates, casual, uh, uh, casual acquaintances, or even strangers, found that 69% of those afterwards said that they had wished the conversation had ended sooner than it had. They then looked at more than 800 conversations between close friends and family members and found that nearly 67% said the conversation went on too long. And the reason why uh, those conversations went on longer than people would want to, the number one reason that people just didn't end the conversation when they would have liked to because they didn't want to appear rude by cutting off the conversation early. Which is kind of ironic because... (laughs) As it turns out, the other person doesn't want that conversation to continue even any more than you do. So, And yet you, you both continue to, to talk because neither one of you wants to be rude and cut off the conversation. It's very ironic. Anyway, something to think about maybe the next time you find yourself in one of those situations. So it is 4-H week in Ohio and Hancock County. Cassie Turner is here from the Hancock County OSU Extension Office, 4-H Extension Educator. Head, heart, hands, health. I had to write it down. Very actually, good, so Chris. Would, There's so our 4-H's. Remember. It is. So I, I, the one that always gets me is health. And you know what's funny is that's not one of the original H's. One of the original really? H's was hustle. Really? There's your fun fact for the day. How about that? Yeah. You learn something <laughs> you new do. every day. Why did they change it? Do you know? I think it was more of that gener- moving towards those, the whole idea of health. And plus, 4-H came across from many, 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 many states trying to figure out where they will. Ohio mm-hmm. will always claim, and we are, for, for the first one in the nation for 4-H, 1902. Mm-hmm. Um, Iowa will argue with us. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, you know. Things, Another little fun fact. Little fun facts. Uh, so, uh, heart, hand, head, heart, hands, and health. There you go. Right. So you know the uh, four four H's in four H. If you have uh, ever wondered, uh, but they, they these kids hustle too. They do. They, you know, they we certainly were, hustle. Yeah. It should be five H. Should be should be five H's. But <laughs> we'll just stick with our four. So you actually uh, kicked things off. Uh, this is officially four H week, Ohio and Hancock County. It is this week, but you actually kicked some stuff off. We last did. Week. We did. Um, our advisors uh, started with their programming, or we got our advisors kicked off there the beginning of January into fe- or beginning of February. Um, but last week we started some taste of four H programs, so mm-hmm. um, so virtual opportunities that kids were able to join us for a Zoom, and we had a night on shooting sports, we had a night on STEM, and we had a night on just how to get involved in a club. Mm-hmm. So any of that information if folks are, are interested in any of those topics you know just get a hold of me and we can get you in, uh, hooked up with the right folks but you know just thinking about that you know i didn't say livestock and while that's what most folks think and we love our livestock program right. um stem and shooting sports are probably one of our two 
next two bigger mm-hmm. programs. Well, and that's one of the things. Uh, again, the idea of 4-H Week is to you know raise awareness about what 4-H is all about, and and celebrate the kids that are involved, and encourage other folks to to get involved. Uh, throughout the years, uh, it has adapted. The program has adapted to you know the the times and these days stem a uh, perfect example of yeah and that. it's that whole idea of de- developing life skills mm-hmm. so whether we're doing that through and and you know we do that through technical some technical materials we're learning different things but we learn those life skills so mm-hmm. we're learning how to do an interview we're learning how to have a conversation with another person an right. adult um, to share information that we've learned how to get in front of people and talk about something mm-hmm. um, and those are all those different pieces and parts that happen through the, the coolness of learning about yeah. um, something t- specific so and, and not only i mean obviously you still have the the livestock programs oh, the we love our livestock programs the you know and small s- animals programs and some of that's happening this week um tonight at the extension office uh you have to rsvp and we're keeping it to a small group but it is open to the um open to youth across in the community mm-hmm. uh, we're having a make and take craft night um we're uh, doing little zipper bags so you'll learn a beginning sewing activity okay. with our master uh, clothing uh, educator joyce and um she'll be leading that at six o'clock so just contact the office you can still sign up and then um tuesday and thursday nights our livestock kids are getting their education going on we're doing our quality first two quality assurance uh trainings for the season to make sure everybody's um feeling comfortable and good about getting their livestock projects and Mm -hmm. and what we do to raise them in a happy ethical healthy manner right and then on wednesday night uh jamie is host with the junior leadership club they are hosting a um a uh, leadership open house so you can find out about our leadership program opportunities or junior leadership club but once again we're asking folks to rsvp and we've got time slots um so that we can keep our size to where we need it to be right and masks are required for all of our programming that's yeah. in person but in person programming a little is, bit is in person yes that's, it's a, exciting. that's a big deal after a year of yes, uh, yes. doing everything virtually and so. you know you think about it 4-h week last year we kicked it off with our um kick our big kickoff program on monday night would have been tonight Mm -hmm. and then by thursday we all went home (laughs) for a while so uh, we went home for two weeks right (laughs) we are here uh in that one year uh, anniversary so good to uh, good to see some things coming back uh to uh, in-person and uh, one of the funnest things about 4-h week and this year um, country bumpkins 4-h club helped me out as well as with our sewers um, we're doing our baby campaign. So the first baby born probably yesterday or today sometime, we'll mm-hmm. be getting a nice big uh, gift basket from the Country Bumpkins and a quilt from our um, Joyce and our 4-H council. And then all the babies born, at least the first 30, will get really cool um, quilted burp cloths. Very cool. Made by 4-H volunteers. This Very week. cool. So I love that campaign. What are some of the uh, the other things? Because I know, uh, like at uh, uh, you know, schools and, and things, sometimes they'll do uh, special so we've, we've those flyers went out into the school last week mm-hmm. uh, or over the last couple of times. So just that general information. So we are a little bit yeah. lower chill on um, on how our, we're actively um, recruiting. We won't, we won't be doing in school talks or anything this year, right? Um, but we always encourage folks to you know jump on our website, um, to call. I think I talked to probably a dozen people last last week looking mm-hmm. for clubs and getting that information out to folks. And we're always happy to chat and find the right fit for you. And I think that's kind of the cool thing, too, is just with the knowledge and background we have of all of our clubs. Um, within a couple emails or a phone call conversation, I can usually hook you up with the club that's going to be the best fit for you or at mm-hmm. least a couple options. You noticed that I wore green. I uh, appreciate for that. The, uh, now, it 
when St. Patrick's Day comes, I'll forget to do that. But I knew that this was 4-H week, so I, I wore my green. Do you have uh, special uh, designated days like that or anything? I mean, I um, don't know whether you actually I'd formally see. encourage people to wear green. So all week long, do the that. kids are always encouraged um, to wear, to pick a day and wear their 4-H shirts. We'll do yeah. something, and it just depends on the year. Sometimes we'll do, like, uh, Mentor Monday where, you know, you'll okay. do different Facebook posts. But yeah. right now we're just... We're just having fun with it. Yeah, just kind of uh, making sure that people are aware, getting it out there. Yes. Uh, you mentioned the in-person uh, events yes. that are happening uh, this week, and uh, folks need to sign up, but they yes, want to be a part those are of that. How do they, how just do they do call, actually, for today, for the sewing program, 419-422-3851 is mm-hmm. the extension office phone number. Um, reach out there and you can sign up that way. is the easiest way for both programs. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, again, more information uh, and you'll be posting all week for uh, oh, definitely for each on week our, on your check Facebook out our Facebook page. page yeah. yeah, a lot of things, Lots uh, of going, things going on. on there. So uh, again, uh, whether we're talking about some of the more traditional programs that that you think of when you think 4-H uh, to up up to and including robotics and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. All kinds of uh, programs through uh, 4-H 4-H week in Ohio and Hancock County. We have the link up at our webpage. Go to GoodMornings.net for that. Again, Cassie. Uh, Turner, thanks very much for dropping Thank by. You. We appreciate it. Uh, oh, and by the way, uh, office uh, is open now? Office is open. Okay. Um, just call before you come, just like most okay. places. Okay, for whatever you need, the extension yeah. office. Appreciate it, Cassie. And that will wrap up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program. Remember, you can get more information about the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, goodmornings.net. Go there, bookmark our page, always something new. Uh, to uh, check out uh, new information uh, each and every day, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, after a long year, a very long year of nothing at all being normal, the pressures of daily life may have you feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, wallowing in negative thoughts. If that sounds like you, it is time to fill your every day with more yay. (laughs) We'll tell you how to do that. Until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.